Hello. In this episode, John and I ponder whether a film is or isn't a jello, even if it's got the word yellow in the title, with Flavio Mogherini's 1978 film The Pyjama Girl Case, aka La Garazza del Pyjama Giallo. This time around, our discussion touches on gendered violence, miscarriage and spousal abuse. We also had some audio problems recording this episode, which I've done my best to edit around, but you may still occasionally hear an odd echoing effect in the background. Apologies, I hope this doesn't spoil your enjoyment too much. The Pajama Girl Case. Indeed. And not a pajama case, as you might have in the 70s and 80s. My mum has seen Girl with the Crystal Plumage and really liked it. So I said, well, I'm... I'm and recording with Dave, with Dave tomorrow, so um, I'll watch the film tonight. So why don't you watch it with me? Yeah, she didn't like this one. <laughs> she liked Bert's Girl, Girl with the Crystal Plumage. It's not what I'd call a massively fun film. It isn't. It's all, but then, we'll, as we'll come on to, I, I, I want to know why this is why this is a jalo. It is based on a real life murder case, um, and there is a book about that real life murder case, which is called The Pajama Girl Murder. The a murder that took place in. Uh, the 1930s in Australia, in New South Wales, who was uh, shot and beaten and then the body was partially burned, much as in the movie. So they kind of lifted the details of the killing. The, the thing that is very odd about the case is that because they couldn't identify the victim, um, they put the body on display and invited people to come and look at it. Right, so that, that bit really happened. That really happened. And it's it's an odd case because the victim was uh, identified. Her estranged husband was arrested and convicted of the killing. But it's one of those cases, a bit like the sort of Black Dahlia, that's kind of, as time has gone on, has been kind of revisited. And sort of some later uh, kind of investigations into it has suggested not only was her husband not the killer but the victim that was identified may not even have been the actual victim because obviously the fire as in the movie the the victim is disfigured so um so yeah it's sort of of a bit of a fertile ground for uh for a mystery movie but how is it a giallo we're i I mean I, i appreciate that some of them have taken place in places that aren't italy although australia would be as seem as extreme but you know there's no, no particular reason it isn't stabby it doesn't have the same visual aspects uh, or tone of a, of a shallow and only one person gets killed i'm not sure i agree on the visual aspect because there is some very jelly-ish lighting and and some of the scenes actually remind me quite specifically of other things that we've watched um I mean, I guess it's an Italian thriller. It's got a Rizzotolani score. Um, yes, I, enjoy, I enjoyed the music it. very much. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it actually probably has more in common with uh, the Jelly Polizia Teshi kind of hybrid that we, we picked up with um, What Have They Done to Your Daughters? Because a right, large okay. chunk of it is that you know, police investigation aspect. And it does have... So one of the tropes in uh, Polizia Tesco movies is there's quite often some weird new bit of technology or some sort of scientific breakthrough or something of that nature that uh, informs how the police solve the case. And the 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 displaying of the bodies is almost like that. It almost serves that function. Um, so I think it works in that kind of Jello Plitzia Tesco context, probably more so than it does a straight Jello, because as you say, that there is only one victim. the The plot of the film is uncovering the murder and also the the build up to the murder, because 
um, the the kind of revelation in this is not so much the revelation of the killer, although that is part of it, uh, but it's the revelation that we've actually been watching two distinct timelines. Yeah, um, yeah. To to explain and by if you haven't seen it now, we've really really fucking ruined ruined, ruined this for you. But yeah, it follows. <laughs> it's one. It's um, uh, what looks like a fairly routine murder investigation. Um, albeit one with, instead of the outsider or the amateur sleuth, we have Ray Milland as a retired cop coming back for one last case um, who takes on that who takes on that role. So they sort of have their cake and eat it there a bit. But in terms of the structure of, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a police, police investigation war, you know, a, ex-police investigation as it were but parallel to that is um a menage a quattro um, with, um <laughs> is it glenda um is sort of it's actually it's, linda there's a weird thing with this movie the imdb credits give all like completely the wrong names for the characters i'm not quite sure what's going on there so or, or oh, whether there, there's a version of the of one dub or another where it's got different names so it, it, it's linda in the english track right um which sort of although some actors are obviously dubbed because they're not english speakers ray milan kind of does his own yeah dubbing so it's ray milan it's um the, the the one token australian actor in the movie rod molinar as one of the policemen who is uh I think the only other person that's actually using their own voice. I, w- but, I was I was interested to see that the dubbing wasn't done by Australian actors. It's 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 our yeah. it's RP all the all the, all the way through. Obviously, but not well, Raymond Land gets his own. But it's... I I was tr- I was trying to dig something up on this. I've not found anything to this effect. So this is 1978, I think, um, and obviously it's set in in Sydney, and but. Most of the actors who are, well, as all the actors are dubbed, apart from, uh, well, Milan is looping his own dialogue. I don't think there's any necessarily sync out. Although um, Mel, Mel Ferrer yeah. appears to be, like, that appears to be um, sort of sound recorded as the film is being shot. He doesn't appear to be looping himself. Although the, the actor who with whom he has the most scenes, um, the, the female lead, Dalila De Lazaro, clearly is dubbed. So, yeah. you know, some she's, interesting stuff going She's on. meant to be Dutch, isn't she? She is meant to be Dutch. Is yeah. that because the original victim was Dutch? No. Oh. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> Why so. Why is she Dutch? Well, I... Okay, we'll come back to that in a second. Okay. But the, the thing that is strange to me is that this they dub the police uh primarily with american accents yes even though it's clearly australian there are australian accents kind of there's one point where raymond is listening to the radio and it's an australian uh yeah. radio announcer and as i said you know there's there's one character who is very definitely australian and at one point that so so part of the plot is that Raymond as this retired detective who you know doesn't hold with any of this new fancy psychoanalysis and scientific method and you know he's like an old school kind of pavement pounding you know gumshoe type um and so the the cop with whom he is kind of at loggerheads which is inspector taylor um played by uh, ramiro oliveros um, says, why don't you just send him back to Canada? So not even yeah, America, but American, Canada. Specifically meant something um, that isn't, isn't it? And, or what he's doing, presumably he's been working in Australia. Yeah, and, now and so, so what, what I was trying to figure out is, like, was there something in the 70s where the police from outside Australia were serving in the Australian police force but i couldn't unfortunately find anything so if anyone knows um i'm i'd be fascinated to know because obviously we've got you know a guy who's mostly known for his work in hollywood but is actually welsh playing a canadian in australia and an italian thriller so anyway um thing off. but anyway so yeah. you were saying uh, well, you were linda saying about her being her, dutch yeah she she is seeing a total of across the film Three men, isn't it? She Three marries men, yeah. one of them somewhat hurriedly. That I missed the first time that they get they get married. This film does doesn't make it obvious when the passage a greater passage of time than you might expect has taken mm. place. That you had to pay attention uh, to that. Suddenly, it's four months later, and it was like, ooh. Um, mm. Which also because the 
as we as we soon learn, the two stories are taking place at different times. Uh, can be quite disjointing because you're thinking it's four months into the investigation, but it isn't. Mm. Because yes. as we as we go along, we learn that the woman who's the victim, the the unidentified body, is the woman in this second uh, this second plot strand. And you're watching the circumstances lead, leading up to her death, and it sort of becomes a which of the boyfriends is going to kill her, um, mm. and you're it's like you're watching a crime happening in real time, um, which is is very interesting. And I'm bloody annoyed my mum worked that out before I did. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there's me. It has you know, I'm a film critic now, but you know, you know, want to work for the BFI. Uh, and never learned that my mum saw through this plot before I did, um, which I was intensely annoyed. As soon as she went, oh, yeah, oh, fuck. <laughs> now, n- now, I was going to be, whenever I'd have worked that out in, say, you know, the next five minutes, uh, mm. it doesn't matter now. It doesn't matter. I'll always be the one that got told the plot by by by, by my mum. <laughs> my, my, critic, my critic card in. But anyway, it's is that a unique plot twist that we see in in Jallo? Will we deliberately mess with time uh, to to deceive the viewer? Mm. I'm not I can't think of another example. It feels like the sort of thing that has probably been done at some point. But I can't put my finger on a specific one uh where it's spe- has that specifically two uh intersecting plot lines that are running concurrently even though one of them obviously is the beginning of the other narrative so yeah um i'm I'm not sure i believe it's the only australian set jello yeah. <laughs> it's kind of interesting um because it's it kind of ties in with a couple of things there because it's not only is it because uh, this is as i said this is sort of 78 so it's relatively late in the cycle this is as you know the 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 early boom of the early 70s has faded and uh, Argento is pretty late with Deep Red, which is 75. And then there are still Jelly coming out, but they're increasingly a bit, you know, sort of more naff and cheaper and basically tending towards just straight exploitation. So we're, we're, um, we're well past the peak by this, by this point. Yeah, I mean, know. there's a little bit of a resurgence in the early 80s when um, Argento comes back and does Tenebrae and... Uh, well, I mean, speaking of sleazy and exploitative, um, Fortune makes New York Ripper, and those are both, I think, eighty-two. So that kind of kicks off the cycle again for a little bit. Um, but this is pretty late on. But it also kind of ties in with the like exploitation. I don't want to say movement because it was never really a movement. But you know, there was a lot of films coming out in the late seventies and early eighties in from Australia when you had. You know, obviously things like Mad Max, but also, you know, Patrick and um, Long Weekend and Razorback. And, you know, there's a whole ton of uh, stunt rock. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, but I was thinking about this. I was like, why is this set in Australia? Films that are set in Australia are either Australian films. So you set Mm. in Australia because it's expedient to set it in Australia. And why shouldn't it be set in Australia? Uh, Or they're films that want to do something that you can't really do in any way the same way other than Australia. And those mm. tend to be slightly more rural films. You take yeah, advantage, a take advantage of Australia's, Australia's, yeah. Australia's geography, Australia's landscape. Um, you know, the way that if you do horror, if you do rural horror in Britain, you've always got to have a reason, like, geographically why something's amiss. Mm. Uh, because you're never more than about... Four, you're, you're never more than 30 miles from a town. Um, yeah. In Australia, it doesn't matter. You don't have to have anything particularly supernatural about rural horror. The landscape and the and the, and the flora, uh, sorry, the fauna can literally kill you. Uh, the, yes. host, the hostility is inherent. Um, mm. So you know that's why they do it. Of course, if you're doing you know a, an, a, an urban Australian film, I would imagine it's because you're an Australian filmmaker or you're an Australian production company. And you would shoot. You would shoot in Australia. We're deliberately mm. going to Australia from Italy. Mm. To do a story because it was because the the the, the real life case it was based on was set in Australia, but there's no reason for it to be. Why could you not do no. this in, in and and actually in, in Italy? Because it you know at, at the time of the, the the film is contemporary with the time it was made, so it's set in the seventies. 
Um, so yeah, it's an interesting question. I do not know the answer. I don't know that anyone has sort of sufficiently ever asked or answered that question. To be honest, um, but, there's um, always there's always a, I mean there's always a story to uncover. It's just whether or yeah. not you've got the market to make that story worth the journey or the effort worth yeah, exactly. worthwhile. Um, yeah. But it, well, that was intriguing. Flavio Mogherini died in 1994, so sadly we can't ask him. No, okay, tell me about Flavio Mogherini. We haven't come across his his output before no, and a guy who'd been around the film business for a long time he was in the uh he was a sort of more production design art director um, right okay side so um you know and he'd worked on movies since the 50s so i mean just a couple of things i picked out so he art directed ulysses with kirk douglas yes, and okay. anthony quinn um he was also the production designer on on one of the OSS one one seven movies, you know, the French uh, Bond yeah, rip yeah, um, yeah. with with John Gavin, which is a lot of fun. Uh, so he did OSS one one seven Murder for Sale. Nice um, Murder for Sale. Yeah, in terms of in terms of his kind of directorial career, he didn't do a huge amount, and most of what he did does not seem to have travelled far. Um, basically, whenever you look on the IMDb and all of the credits are still in Italian. It tends to mean that they didn't no necessarily have a... Yeah. Um, and so kind of glancing through it, he did seem to have done sort of a few comedies and things. His last film actually in 94, he died in uh, 94, uh, was another uh, very late period sort of technically a giallo. Sort of at, 90s giallo tend to be more sort of a bit giallo, mostly erotic thriller um so he made a film called dangerous passion which i've never seen but um it's apparently not very good um but it's one of those that i would quite like to see for completeness's sake um so this really is probably his best known movie Mm. i did see Um, one of his films and had a quick look and it was paolo basta forgive basta forgive my forgive my accent maestro elementary practicantemente nudista which i'm guessing means (laughs) paolo basta primary school teacher maestro element i guess that's like primary school teacher practical nudist <laughs> that uh, one hasn't traveled has it no strangely that's not come out as yeah far as the milanese nudist professor paolo barker moved to the province of catania there he will succeed in changing something both in the school and his character i bet i he bet will. he fucking did yeah <laughs> go to prison yes yes <laughs> Oh man! Um, so that, there's an axiomatic example of why. I mean, not, I'm not suggesting that it's. You know, I've never seen it, so I can't comment. Whether it, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, whether it's a non-sopologist film, um, but um, it was an exact axiomatic example of something. Why his films might not have had as the international appeal of others. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so he was he was better known at that time, even at the time of making is this as a production designer, or had he stopped being a production designer and gone into gone into directing? Gone into directing the well known nonce apology genre. Um, I was about there's there's I had two possible comments I was going to make there that I thought were quite funny, and then I thought this is actually being recorded. This is not just a conversation between me and Dave, and that's and that could be potential liable. So. Indeed. Uh, he kind of pretty much wrapped up his um, his production designer right. uh, career in the, the in sort of early seventies with Secrets of a Nurse and Paolo the Hot. Um, <laughs> and then went, in, and then went into directing. God, he's just like Thomas Hardy, isn't he? <laughs> exactly. No, who else um, has compared Flavio Mogherini to Thomas Hardy before? Listeners, if you know what you I'm heard, talking about, I'm, I'm very. I'm you very heard it here first, guys. Yes. <laughs> We are we are really um, genre busting, um, true, 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 true pros. <laughs> in, in this. I mean, I, 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 honestly, I think it's a a really interesting film. As you, as you say, it's a typically jelly. Um, I think it's actually quite knowingly so because the the yellow motif gets used a lot. Yes, um, I mean, and they show the um, you see that. She wears yellow pajamas, and there's a repeated refrain Indeed. of the woman saying, "Oh, my daughter's got that, or my granddaughter's got those, but they're pink." Um, yes. something like saying, "Well, these, and this is classic, possibly a classic example of me reading too much into it. Well, these represent downfall. <laughs> pink is clearly is clearly innocence in the in the grand in the granddaughter, but if you but if you wear if you but the the yellow, uh, uh, and the other the other thing I thought was it's a bit sort of it's a bit sort of Hong Kong." 
um, Kung Fu uh, film, but then I didn't know where to go with that um, <laughs> as, as, as the look. I was just sort of curious as to what's the reason you chose this as, uh, I, I say chosen, curated uh, this mm. as, uh, as part of our, uh, as part of the, so it's pretty much the end of our, of, of our, of our first chapter. Of, of 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 looking at each other is this seen as sort of uh, an end point in in any way or it's presumably no, still it's it, still it's sorry it's presumably still classified as as yellow despite its differences hmm. otherwise we wouldn't we, we wouldn't be talking about it so what does this represent on the on the journey uh, a couple of things one it, i find it interesting that it, it does take a real case as its mm, basis okay. um so in part that also as we get into this late period, the pickings get slimmer. So it's kind of a, an example of one of the later ones that's actually pretty good, I think, um, or at least solid. And it, while it has exploitative elements, it's not really, you know, whoa, you know, there are a lot of films of this era where it's literally like, Get her in the shower and stab her. No, true, but I mean, yeah, the uh, the, the and scene... this doesn't do that. No. In fact, it's it's almost the opposite of that because there's one particular sequence. Um, so to to kind of get back to sort of a, a brief pricey of the plot, um, the the sort of storyline of the victim is basically, as you say, she is um, an immigrant in Australia. She's seeing three different uh, men, all of whom are also. Immigrants, seemingly yeah, immigrants. Yeah. So there's a um, uh, an Italian waiter called Antonio, who is the the guy that she ultimately marries. There's a uh, American doctor, played by Mel Ferrer, mm-hmm. uh, Professor Douglas, who is sort of the most well-to-do of them, um, but he sort of seems to be the least interested in in a, an actual relationship yeah he, he, and I, I found that interesting sorry to sorry to drop just because um there's something about well he seems all right which is questionably a little xenophobic because you're looking at the 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 italian guy and is he polish the, the other one or meant to be i think he's meant to be german possibly oh, is he, you're, you're, t- oh, you're talking about roy right yes he's meant to be uh, i yes. thought he was polish <laughs> yeah um <laughs> Um, Played play by Howard Ross, who's right, Italian. Yes, so, apologies to um, everyone who are massively offended by mixing up yes. the poles and the the poles yes. and the Germans. Ha- Howard Ross, or as his mother called him, Renato Rossini, uh, who was a peplum actor, so he was sort of very buff. Um, and and he's so he's a manual worker, and he's also seems to be a sort of the facilitator of Linda D- Dalia de Lazaro's character's relationships in some way. Like she, he's kind of introduced her to Antonio at least. Yeah, in the, but I, so but I, the reason I was thought there was you know. You were sort of led into the the anglophonic uh, one. It's sort of a bit well to do, and you you're sort of led down the slightly you know knowingly xenophobic path of trusting him possibly more. But then he hangs around to dry at the end. And it's like no, yeah, I can't. I don't want to get involved with this. Well, and and so there's one of the themes throughout the film is basically about this really unpleasant immigrant experience in Australia. Yeah, yeah, the second class citizen stuff. Um, yeah. Because. You know, all of although ultimately it's it's Linda who suffers. Um, you know, is, is murdered. Apart from apart from Mel Ferrer's character, the other two sort of have these fairly miserable lives, and that seems to be at the heart of of Linda's character because they don't really. I mean, you know, you you could argue, and um, you know, as you've mentioned before, you know. She is punished for her wayward behaviour, if you like, by being murdered. But at the same time, the film isn't particularly sort of judgy about the fact that she's kind of seeing three different guys even after she's married. Mm-hmm. And it's more kind of focused on the fact that she sort of seems just bitterly dissatisfied with everything. And that's what's kind of driving her behaviour is the fact that she's sort of desperately unhappy and can't find a way out of that and part of that is that she's basically stuck in uh a menial job she's a waitress um and you know any kind of aspirations to the future are you know sort of uh unavailable to her because of her kind of lowly status in society and that also plays into the other really big theme in the film which is basically about that kind of voyeuristic. Um, there's an awful lot in this movie, which is basically guys ogling women. Yeah, 
Uh, and, so- and that's a, even to the point, and I think this is actually po- potentially what attracted uh, Mogherini to the case itself. She's basically even being ogled after she's dead. Now, the, the sequence, which is somewhat controversial, but very stylish, um, where you see um, what we know now is Linda's body um, on, on display, but with the, uh, with, with the toweling sort of around the head and the, and the sort of reclining as a, as a Renaissance nude in the, way, in, the mm. way, in the way they pose her, is, it's, my first reaction was to almost, this is a display of art. Mm. Um, rather than it's trying to get it's a it's a high profile way of getting the public to try and identify her, um, but it's clearly shot with an art director. So particularly when they shoot her from behind, and you've got the posed, you know, but then the head in and the head shrouded in uh, um, mm. in sort of toweling or as, as 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 well, which could be sort of the, the you know. Yeah a renaissance style headdress or something as well but mm. it's clearly meant with a with an exploitative eye but a very knowing one mm. uh, i think sometimes exploitative eyes with knowing ones are having their cake and eating it uh, mm. but i can under, i'd sort of get the point that that one's that one's trying to make particularly if you've got some people tutting some people smoking uh, and looking sardonically a woman fainting um Yes, there's lots of people kind of snacking while they're looking, and then you know there's sort of several quite leery blokes yeah. sort of peering a little too uh, intensely at particular parts of indeed, you know, yeah. And there's and stuff. I was being kind of shooed away by policemen. Mm, yeah, no, indeed. Uh, also, people taking photos and being told mm. to conversate. If you've ever been, you know, in front of the, the Mona Lisa, you'll see that that's a, that's a, that's that's mm. certainly a full that's a, that's certainly a, a, a full a full time job. Um, the other thing I thought about noticeable about the style, and I, 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 when I said before that I didn't think it looked like a jolly, and you disagreed, and you know more about it than me, so that's that's fine. I quite like uh, the style, but I found it, I found it very different. And the, the the first scene, the scene on the beach where the body is dis- is discovered, and you mm. have uh, a a young girl running along the beach playing uh, soundtracked close up to a highly inappropriate song. Um, <laughs> And it's almost like she's in, she's like running through a Jack Vetriano painting on the beach, and I expected there to sort of be people having tea on the beach, and you sort of see right. someone. And I thought, but it's it's quite it seems sort of sort of stylized in a sort of New England uh, New England way, and then okay. she comes across a stack of cars, uh, and it's like and suddenly we're, we're, we're it's more George Miller than Jack Vetriano. And yes, like it's right. suddenly got a bit post-apocalyptic. And then like, her, the, the woman's body falls out, which presumably then leads to like you know decades of trauma for the little girl. Indeed. Um, but I, I really liked um, the pla- the... The playful uh, deception with the with the styling, even though that's this the sort of love song with a close up of the little girl didn't sort of sound <laughs> ill. Um, but yes, I thought yes. it was uh, it was. Um, yeah, and it, it took you on an interesting journey, the art direction of that. Yeah, the Amanda Lear songs are a, are a bit of an yeah a bit of an acquired taste. You sort of you know because you're French singer and sort of I am French and I'm singing what's happening on screen. It's, you know, but it's a bit sexy. But you're looking at a seven year old. <laughs> um, didn't 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 like, didn't like yeah. that. But thought it was oh, this is clearly with the close up. It's clearly a very stylized, pleasant yeah. place, and then it isn't suddenly. And suddenly, so, and, you know, there's always a great you know, a visual shorthand in in in, in corguity. Um mm. And the three sort of derelict cars stacked up on it on each other. And it mm. makes you know. The first thing that brought to mind was you know, actually I said I said George Miller. I should have said Peter Weir. It's suddenly it's a yes. Cars, who I once um, went on about while mixing up with Peter Weller. That was that, that was a highlight. <laughs> oh yes, the bloke who did Robocop also directed. Yeah. Um, uh. <laughs> yeah, and there's there's a lovely bit of misdirection early on actually. So the first time you see uh, Linda and she's talking to the professor uh, Mel Ferrer, and she says something about uh, oh the police questioned me about my friend who mm-hmm. had a, a and it's sort of you know she had a friend who had a slightly 
too close, you know, sort of lesbian interest in her. Oh, yes, um, yes. And they have, and so the, the, that's kind of the, the one most sort of gratuitous bit of nudity is this scene where she's talking about her friend who had these yellow pajamas and sort of strips them off and gets into bed with her. And they make that such a flamingly obvious flashback because what they're trying to hide is the fact that you're already in a flashback yeah which is done very naturally in uh, yeah, so okay. like, here's a really here's a really obvious yeah okay they're, they're sort of, of like you know there's shining around the that they put vaseline around the edge of the lens yes absolutely yeah. yeah yeah um and then and, and of course the the, the tee off much later in the film is like oh my friend who's gone to america sent me those pajamas that she because you're supposed to think that the victim is obviously this other girl yes very true yeah um, yes yeah, which I, which I thought was quite in quite ingenious. Um, it also has that duller, um, sorry, not duller, more dour um, all the way through than a sort of tone all the way through than a, than what I've come to associate with with the with what the yellow is by this point. It's almost like we're going back to to things like the possess. Well, it's funny you mention that because there's a there's a shot later on in the film. So as things because basically you know everything just gets worse and worse for linda and then yeah. ultimately she's murdered um and there's a scene where she's basically ditched her um husband and other boyfriend and is gone off to basically run away with the professor and then when she phones the professor he to tell him no, i'm just, almost there yeah. he's like he, he's sort of clearly at home it looks like his wife is in the background yeah. he's sort of suddenly quite kind of uh cagey and like oh no no i'm leaving the country you know um and so she's in a phone box but she's shot through the glass of the phone box mm. you know obviously looking mm. to, you know, mm. in, intense ennui and that so reminded me of the beginning of the possessed mm. like the, the angle and the the, the framing and the, the shooting through the glass um and yeah, I, I, so that you know that to me. But then of course, the possessed is also a fairly atypical film that we would. It is. Uh, the Jello. difference is we haven't so, really got into the the full into exactly. full yellow yet. Mm. Um, um, but it's yeah, that, so no, that remi- that, tonally that reminded me as well. Particularly, there's sort of long shots of uh, of people, you know, walking on the beach in sort of like in shot of in shot of water, um, mm. which sort of just plays. But yeah, and it's. It's sort of out of season. There's like a long shot of Ray, of, of Ray Milland walking on, I think, at the beach as he's as, as he's looking, and it's it's it doesn't look like it's a beach shot is intended to look at that time. There's something sort of out of place about it, uh, which I think was when they were going for with the with the stacked cars on the on the beach. And there's sort of a throwaway line later on as to why there's 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 the stacked there's stacked cars on the, on 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 the beach. Mm. Um, but I yeah you know, I thought it was good. There's the I like that there's sort of numerous sort of red herrings as to who the killer is before you know of sort of the fact that yeah. you know, these yes, take I mean, place. one of the yeah, I mean, what one of the potential killers again? It sort of comes back to the the, the voyeuristic theme. Yeah. this kind of pervert that lives on the beach who basically gets his jollies um, looking at his next door neighbour putting the washing out. Um, yeah, it, it's like your our, our mutual friend Howard talks about. You know, you sometimes you know particularly in films of this vintage if you want to point out misogyny you don't do it without doing a misogyny yeah um and and there are you know there there are, there are very much shades of that in this but a lot of the time that the 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 sort of voyeurism that linda is subjected to is is presented in a way or female characters generally are subjected to is presented in a way that is not at all um arousing shall we say um I mean the, the 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 scene in particular is sort of at, after she's knocked back by the professor Linda basically gets hit on by some unpleasant guys in the cafe and basically says okay fine you know yeah. 300 Australian um and you can come back to my room and and screw me um in my notes uh what did uh, I believe I called them um Italian Alfred Molina and it's really, it's really hard in Alfred Molina. It's, it's Italian Alfred Molina and Bob Hoskins. <laughs> the worst thing about that isn't the isn't the two old isn't the two late middle aged men like having sex in front of each other. It's their nephew. Yes, their nephew sits in the corner while the uncle and his mate or another relative has sex with a woman who's like who's clearly 
like only only doing this for the for for the, for, the, for the cash. And indeed, he forces her to kiss him, um, and she, mm. she 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 doesn't want to. And that so the little girl at the beginning is not the only one who'll be utterly traumatized uh, by by what they've seen. I go watching like elder relatives having sex with a sex worker in in mm. in, in front of me would be pretty. <laughs> It's awful. Um, that's one scene, though. Where I, go, I mean, it's it's very it's it's. I suppose it's meant to be sort of an indictment of both a lot uh, of a woman and an immigrant. So therefore, a, a, a female immigrant has it has it bad bad twice over. But like the wedding to one or the marriage to one to one of the yes, which sort of happens very quickly. It's a very quick jump from her running away. Uh, to meet to go meet the professor, essentially being elbowed by the professor, uh, deciding what to do, and then just I uh, I can make a quick buck. And uh, yeah, expediency is obviously quick. It's 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 a film, but it's it's a bit of a handbrake turn, I think, for her desperate her desperation to suddenly, yeah, highly cynically makes make make makes make some money in a way that I don't I don't want to be doing this, but it's mm. money. Yeah, there's there's a couple of interesting things as well with. I think, and again, am I reading too much into this? But there's um, like a, a sort of loss of innocence aspect to it because when she's in the cafe, just as she's kind of being picked up by these unpleasant characters, um, there's a sort of cut to a, one of the tables has a bunch of Boy Scouts. Um, oh yes, That's right. which is just like sort of randomly in one shot. And then I, was, I only kind of picked up on this watching it back this time because yeah, I've seen it a couple of times before. Um, and then, so, to kind of completely spoil it, um, the, the the killers are ultimately revealed to, to be the other two guys, basically. Um, her, her her estranged husband um, beats her, uh, when, when they track her down, beats her and wrestles with her. She has a gun, and it's not in, entirely clear whether he shoots her or she the gun just goes off or she actually tries to kill herself. Um but she remains alive and then as they you know they they're trying to dispose of the body she is still alive so roy uh, the other guy actually bludgeons her to death yeah so he is ultimately the killer um he's arrested and then um the uh, inspector um uh, taylor because we also haven't mentioned that Ray Milland dies halfway through. <laughs> yes, there's a, there was, I was, 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 was coming on to that. But there's a, um, I did not see that coming. The, the guy who's the main character all, all up the way through. And, you know, I'm, I'm, we're well aware now of like the throwing of uh, everything you know, since, since Hitchcock first, first, first does it with the throwing of the focus character being killed whenever. But this is, you know, this is much, this is later in the film than hmm. Janet Lee, um, And, it was only in the preceding scene for his death where he go, where he's worked it out, and um, Inspector, would you say the uh, Romero, Taylor. Sorry, uh, well, Romero Oliveros, um, his mm. his he's work, he, there's, yeah, as, as previously discussed, he's uh, he's hard bitten, he's tough and grizzled, and thinks little of modern methods, uh, which seems to have borne out because he he works out who the killer is. And he basically leaves a message going, I know who the killer is and I'm going to sort it out. And then, you know, that sort of spider senses tingling, that's a yes. scene to do. Uh, yeah. Oh, God, he's going to get killed, isn't he? And it's like, look to, mm. look at your watch and like, no, <laughs> we're, half, mm. we're only halfway through. Um, yeah. And that was, a, that, was that, 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 that was a brave thing because, but this is something that I think plays with, plays with the expectations uh, of that. Mm. And I was, it was a shame because he's sort of one of the, he was by far the most enjoyable character in it up to, <laughs> up to that point. I was really gutted. I was really gutted he was dead. Also, he falls a bit half-assed. Uh, well, it's, yes. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty clear that um, the parts that they shot yeah. on sort of uh, slightly more enclosed locations or on set, which were in Italy, yeah. is where Ray Milland was, and the rest of the time in Australia, that was that was not Ray Milland. Um, when, yeah. when he falls over, it's pretty obviously a stuntman who's got a ball cap on. Yeah. Um, but... You know, and it works in the context of the film. Um, but yes, yeah, so so the the denouement is uh, Inspector Taylor meeting Antonio um, at the cemetery where. Oh, because we also didn't mention that um, uh, at one point Linda is pregnant, and we you know we're not sure by whom. Yeah. Uh, but Antonio eventually, after 
calling her all sorts of names agrees to you know raise the child stand, stand then she has a yes then she has a miscarriage yeah um so uh it's a it's a comedy um and but yes yeah, so so taylor meets uh antonio at the cemetery where his uh their, their child is buried um and having realized that taylor has not come alone and he's about to be arrested he he they, they chase him through the cemetery um he appears to be making good his escape um <laughs> and then i wrote then i wrote bus ex machina um because he is literally hit by a bus um but the thing that kind of yeah. i was thinking about with the the loss of innocence thing is the bus is full of majorettes for yes. some reason I just like given the given the what in sort of some of the the things that happened beforehand is this like his dying sick fantasy is just being, being looked being looked down in a vaguely disappointed way by a load of chum majorettes. Also, the, it has to be said that the the death scene isn't overly well shot. He no. runs out. He 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 runs down like a, a an incline. Uh, without looking, runs into rows as as bad luck would have it. A bus is driving. At that moment, the bus seems to stop and is very good because all form of inertia goes as the bus stop, literally stops uh, as it hits him. Um, and my first thought was, oh, like he's like, there's not a mark on him. He's like, obviously, he's, you know, he, he'll be injured, but mm. that, that doesn't look to the bus stopped immediately. That's that's all right, even though he's flying about, you know, 30 foot back. Uh, and is then in slow motion. And is, yeah, and is then clearly dying without a mark on him, having like either be hit by either either be killed by being hit by a bus, but show you know show physical trauma, or like don't show physical trauma and he he he, he can sort of drag himself up and hot and and and, and, and hobble away. I thought that was mm. that was that wasn't well executed. Nevertheless, yeah, yes. there's middle ground. There's middle ground between that and your face exploding as you fall down a cliff. There is, yeah. This is the other side of this is like a, this is like <laughs> I watched I watched Don't Torture a Duckling, and whatever happens to 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 the killer when they get their comeuppance, then there, there shouldn't be a mark on them, regardless. Of any of, of any inf, of any influence that are, that that affects the body, but yes, you're quite you're quite right. You've had the girl discovered. You've had the the uh, the Boy Scouts, and it finishes with a group of drum majorettes, and they're all witness to some parts of a very very sordid, sad tale. I do. There, there is part of me that wonders if there is a conversation with someone from like the Sydney Public Transport Authority who said, "Not a mark on that bus." <laughs> I thought so, but would you not just have? Do you I not know, just I hire know. buses for the express purpose of shooting stunt sequences in films? <laughs> yeah, perhaps that's they, where perhaps they, they do. But we've only got one bus, and we need this. Uh, yeah. We need this for Cars Eight. But as I just said, that's like four years before. Uh, we yeah, we need this. We need we need this for something for an early uh, for early eighties. We need this for for, Mad, for for a Mad Max sequence. It's going to go through the ringer, and this is all we've got. So you can have it, but there mustn't, as you say, there must it must it must come back completely unscathed, which is yeah. brilliant. And I thought he was going to go in the sea. So I think because it looks yeah because they are on yeah they're yeah, on they're, the, they're on the coast. Very atmospheric the heart, and very Italian looking um, mm. sort of plaza of. A cemetery, but it's yeah, it's a it's a sort of wide, flat expanse of of graves. Um, yeah. Might possibly the bleakest movie we've done thus far, and we have done the possessed. Yeah, uh, but the, and the, but the possessed has a more um, is still I say is 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 still showing the noir. Uh, the mm. the rubber is is effortlessly stylish and sad, but also you know the there's no doubt about it the victim is as is in this case the victim is dead before before the it turns out however we're not playing with time we're just seeing we're just we're just mm. we're just seeing flashbacks but this is the of all the films we've seen uh that come after the possessed once jello has sort of fully fully established itself this reminded me uh the, the most of that and the nature of it, yeah, is is even more down because it it's like if if the possessed concentrated on 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 the woman uh, who, mm. who who died before the before the film before before the film starts, you may feel similar than you do to than than, than you do you, you you do to this. Who's the mm. um uh the actor by the way who plays uh, Linda Delilah or Delilah even uh, De Lazaro who um yeah she was around around a fair bit at this point um I don't know too much about her she was in um 
She's in the wonderfully titled Your Voice is a Locked Room and Only I Have the Key. I've heard, um, I've heard of this film several times. and I've, I hope we will get to it at some point. Yeah. Um, she's actually sort of, I guess, most famous. It seems, it seems a little unfair to say that. But um, so she's in, she plays the female creature or the female zombie in uh, Flesh for Frankenstein. So that's kind of uh, probably her, her most well-known role, um, and for which she, um, <laughs> bless her, she's uh, un- unclothed for the vast majority. Yeah, of the, the only film. it wasn't. It was um, only until halfway through I realised the only thing I knew her for was um, phenomena, phenomena, uh, phenomena, phenomena, phenomena. Uh, she, where, where she's the very, where she's the the, the very horrible head um, headmistress, isn't she? I, I, I actually think she's very good. I, I think actually, pretty much everyone is good in this. I mean, um, Inspector Taylor, um, so um, uh, Romero Oliveras, he's got a bit of a thankless part, to be honest. Um, he, you know, he's very much that kind of Polizia Tesco character. is is fairly thinly drawn, but I actually quite like everybody else. Um, I, I, I do like. Um, Inspector Morris, Rod Molinar, who's the the Aussie cop, who seems to have a bit of a soft spot for um, for Ray Milan's character Timpson, and he's sort of following him around at one point, and actually kind of seems to be clued in that he's he's kind of found something because everyone else kind of dismisses him. Um, I, there's actually a scene that I really really like um, when uh, they've arrested the Quint the perv off the beach has said you know he, he did it because we found a watch off the body that he had and we've uh, already he, seen him he, wanking to his to his neighbor's ass yes exactly um and so the kind of the uh the sort of chief inspector and um uh taylor and timpson all all go to the chief and and you know they're saying we've well we found the killer we've arrested him oh and at this point someone's uh, actually already tried to kill uh timpson ray milan's character and he says oh it, you know it's probably related because we found the wrong person um and so the, the the two more senior cops are like saying no no we've arrested somebody and i love the fact that the sort of chief of police basically tells him to fuck off mm. <laughs> it's, it's like no this is probably part of the same investigation so go and carry on <laughs> and, and it's quite an unusual twist in a film like this because normally it would be like you know uh you know throwing down the badge not that he has a badge because he's retired but you know sort of i'll fi- i'll find it by myself kind of thing which is ultimately what happens but i do like the fact that the the sort of chief of police is kind of backing him up like no if there's evidence to suggest we got the wrong guy then you follow the evidence um which i thought was quite a nice touch it does but it's still i mean you're you, the police role still plays on the we're largely incompetent and not listening and going for the going for the easy life rather than investigating probably apart apart from you know, the the cheaper See, thing that makes it a jello it, there you go yeah um, <laughs> and the outside but the outsider that's actually fixing it is is just an ex yeah. is an ex-copper like being an yeah. ex-copper in a jello gives you certain insight inside you've got what? to be either an, either either a, an anglophonic academic, um, somehow cultural, or an ex-copper to do anything in a jalo. If you're actually a mem- an actual member of a current member of a constabulary, you are utterly incompetent. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, interestingly, so much later, Dario Argento made a film called Sleepless, which is one of his more recent jally and not the worst of them but not amazing um but it actually kind of nicks quite a lot of the plot of this down to so the the max von sidoff is the uh retired detective who gets pulled back into the mystery um and and he's he's kind of playing the same role as as meland is here even down to the fact that they both characters are sort of introduced in their kind of greenhouses tinkering about with flowers and things mm. and max spoilers for sleepers max Monsido dies before the end as he's identified the killer so i i do have a sneaking suspicion that argento has seen saw this and was like ah, this isn't that well known i might just borrow that so yeah he, d- he didn't reckon on, he didn't reckon on you dave did he he did not yeah <laughs> i always when i'm reminded with you of that line in 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 Red Dwarf was like, "Have you seen Attack of the Killer Bikini Vampire Girls?" And everyone looks blankly and just goes, "No, that one slipped us by." And the joke is that um, no one ever watches the sort of films that Lister would watch, and nor would they. And I remember thinking, you know, that 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 joke doesn't work for Dave. <laughs> 
Yeah. Have you seen the sequel? Exactly. Dave will always come back with a, with, with, with a critical analysis of why that, of, 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 of why that is. Um, is this the last film we're doing on the first season? We have one more. Oh, we have one more. In, in our first season, yes, we have the mutation of the Jello and the sort of crossbreeding with the slasher film uh, next time. So we'll be looking at uh, Michelet Suave's uh, 1980, oh, I want to say seven, but that might actually be later than it actually is, uh, film Stage Fright, uh, which is a bit of a, well, I think it's a bit of a late period pleasure, but you may uh, you may have a differing view. Um, so this is so this is when because we, we've suddenly we're jumping ahead again a bit here. Yes. So we this are. is so we're going into um, the Jalo has um, augmented into something something else into or uh, taking because yes. You know, we're now here with this film. We're in 1978, a time when the slasher film is, 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 if not born, but um, defined by mm. by Halloween, um, where a new strand of of horror um, takes off, and is this Jallo getting with the zeitgeist? If you like, being influenced by by more contemporary. Styles yeah, there's, there's there's definitely a there's definitely a progression in the eighties where the 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 fact that they're they're quite similar to begin with um, sort of starts to feed into the what we still think of as Jallo when they become more slasher like, um, and you know of those stage fright is a pretty good example not to get too ahead of ourselves and also looking much further ahead i believe at some point i've got uh mario barber's bay of blood which is basically where friday the 13th comes from so it's all very uh incestuous this is the thing that when you start down one rabbit hole oh i know you see all the the further things coming off it there's only (laughs) there's so many films and and only 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 so much time but yes, that was a. Um, I think that's a film I'd probably, if um, again, I, I will go if I will watch that film again. I will find more um, to enjoy, and I will uh, probably appreciate more. Uh, but there was a lot going on, and mm. all of it was easy from the to, to, to notice and to start. It made you work harder than a than a jalo yes. normally nor, norm, normally does. It demands more of the viewer, which is usually a good thing. Um, mm. If it's not you're going in with the right uh, with, with, with the right mind, but yeah, it has a. It has a, a bleak. It, I think it's what I'm saying about sort of it. Look, it, it has it has that bleaker tone that I mm. don't haven't necessarily associated with the Jallo th- since uh, since 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 Bird with the Crystal Plumage, and that's. But it was a, it was it was interesting, and it was certainly not my favourite in terms of pure pure enjoyment, but certainly probably the most I've thought about uh, in terms of the talking points and the issues it it, it, it mm. raises is a little deeper than others that you might expect yeah it's definitely uh one that sticks with you and it does reward re- a rewatch actually. i've i've no um, doubt i've no doubt yes i will but I, I, I will perhaps not with your mum no next time i won't just because then i'll just get annoying realizing <laughs> the point but then she's actually ruined it for me by guessing the ending before i <laughs> Next time, Jallo becomes Slasher in a big giant owl head in Michelet Suave's Stage Fright. Please join us. Mm-hmm.